Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. Westside's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy and thanks for tuning in. My name is Scott Hill. I am part of Westside. My wife Kim and I coordinate the community groups. Uh, community groups here, we have a real heart to see um, People connect, not just corporately in, in big crowds, but in smaller groups where we can get to know one another, and I can get to know the Jesus in you, and you can get to know the Jesus in me. We can serve one another, encourage one another, and that's just something our heart beats towards. Stay tuned as we work through some technical difficulties. Um, how about the band? Let's give them a hand. Aren't they awesome? Just uh, be able to lead us, lead our hearts into the presence of God. Um, It's good to be in church. It's good to be around brothers and sisters in Christ. And yes, this is a school, but where two or more gathered, I'm there in your midst. And God is always faithful. So welcome to church. Um, I've experienced church um, on the rooftop of... uh, a barracks building in Saudi Arabia. I've experienced church in an auditorium that's big and huge and wonderful. Uh, I've experienced God in a, a bungalow in India or in the Himalayas. I've experienced church in uh, underground in China. Um, Jesus is everywhere. God is good. And thank God that Jesus came to bring new things. We don't have to go visit a temple in Jerusalem to find God's presence. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But first, I wanted to actually give a congratulations. They're not here today, but uh, Spencer and Taryn Burnett had their little one, their first baby, about a week ago. And they had a little girl. And uh, so they're a a wonderful young couple that uh, attends our church. And... uh, the baby's name, the little girl's name is Miss Lakin Lynn Arabella, which is gorgeous. So I'm sure when the time's right, we'll be able to celebrate with them back here. Speaking of babies, um, I have one to brag about. Um, not my baby, but um, my grandson, Finley. If we could have a picture of Finley. How about on the count of three? Everybody say, ah. One, two, three. Ah, Finley. So he is, first his name's Finley Jude, and he's the first Finley I've ever met, actually. So (laughs) he's a a one-of-a-kind. He's precious. He's awesome. My name, I'm a grandpa now, which is weird, because I'm only like 29 or something. And so that's a process, but... Um, go ahead and take, go to the next slide. Here's Finley and Grandpa hanging out. And you can see he gets kind of serious around Grandpa sometimes. <laughs> he's wearing a little jumpsuit I got him. And Kim and I joke that he's, this is his Guido pose. You know, he's not big enough to break a kneecap, but he'll trip you if he has to. And uh, we just, we love him to death. Um, he's the joy in our, our lives right now. Um, and just 
you know, staying on the theme of, of babies, or children even, God looks, calls us to come to him as, as children. And so um, I think that's really important. So the same passion and zeal in the heart that I have when I see that little guy, it's, um, it just reminds me about how God feels about me. You know, I've, I've learned a lot. I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. I've heard hundreds of sermons. Um, I'm a licensed Foursquare minister. I've, I've um, sat through classes. I've journaled. But nothing, I think, has made more impact on me to understand the heart of the Father than became, becoming a father myself. And having a child, I remember my first child coming home from work. I was coming home for work. I wanted to spend time with him and, and just to pick him up and lock eyes and connect and, and cuddle with him. And God speaking to me in those times saying, that's how I feel about you when we want to get to, you know, I want to spend time with you like that. And, and that was so impactful to catch those moments. It's like I can relate with how my God actually feels about me because he's our father. And just the same, there were times when I'd rush home and want to spend time, and I'd hold him up, and I just want to connect with him, and he's, he's looking at, like, the, the picture frames behind me or, or the chair or the television, and I'm like, dude. <laughs> and even in those times, God would be like, I know that feeling, too. When you get distracted and we're not connecting, I'm like, gotcha. Ding. Everybody say ding. <laughs> Sometimes God will ding you. So um, I think God looks at us like that. And um, he has a way of looking into our hearts past our sin, seeing Jesus, and just loving on us like a child. Um, so I think that'd be good if we can get to seeing each other that way. Uh, a little bit. So next time you see some big burly biker dude who's scary, just see the child in him. Just see the child in him. We're just old babies. That's all we are. That's the way I look at it anyway. Um, we're going to get into some scripture today, Mark 11, 12 through 22. And it's, uh, it's a chunk of meat. I hope you guys brought a fork and a knife today. Um, but don't worry, it's been in the crock pot. I think it's, uh, it's going to be tender enough to get into. But it was a challenge, and it's one that's challenged a lot of people um, who've read it uh, over the years. So, uh, But I'm excited. I think God has something real special for us today. Let's go ahead and look at, uh, well, before we get to that, I wanted, I'm going to cover three points. The, th the first one is going to be that... Um, Jesus came to bring something new to us. So out with the old, in with the new. Um, that's going to be point one. Point two is um, we're going to talk about God's heart because it is a difficult scripture. Um, it's important that we understand God's intentions behind it. And then the third point I want to bring up is that um, there's a table. There's a table between us and God many times. That'll make more sense when we get to it. But we're going to talk about these three things. Mark 11, 12 through 22, deals with the fig tree and Jesus turning tables in the temple. Let me pull my Bible out really quick. All right. Starting in verse 12, it says, The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. 
Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if, any, if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned tables of the money changers and benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw a fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. What a bizarre scripture. <laughs> Cursing fig trees, flipping tables, driving things out of, a temp of the temple. Um, this is sort of Jesus in rare form. Um, up to this point, we haven't seen Jesus be like aggressive like this before. We've seen him debate religious leaders, but if, any, if, if, if there's somebody here for the first time today and this is the only thing you know about Jesus, you may think, he could be kind of moody. <laughs> Fly off the handle once in a while. Um, I mean, is that what happened here? Is it, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Is he a little grumpy? Ate some pizza late last night? Woke up with a tummy ache? Um, my son Josh uh, offered the thought, well, Jesus was a, a carpenter. Maybe he was upset at the quality of the tables. And they just, <laughs> these don't belong in dad's house. Out with the old and in with the new. I think um, the thing that makes me scratch my head the most and always has when I read the scripture is, why is Jesus approaching a tree to grab fruit when it's not even the season yet? I mean, do you ever walk up to an apple tree in the middle of the wintertime? I mean, it's not the season. You, you shouldn't expect to find fruit. And I think that that is a clue. That's a clue for us to know that there's something else going on here beyond food, right? Jesus is trying to make a point. So we're going to try and chop this up a little bit and bring a little understanding to it. One thing that's amazing about this point in the story is there's a lot of prophecy being fulfilled. Jesus came. He was the Messiah. And so for thousands of years, men of God, teachers, of God would, um, they would write about the coming Messiah, what he will be like, how he will, you know, what he will accomplish. Um, scholars have said that Jesus accomplished, Jesus fulfilled more than 300 prophetic, or works of, words of prophecy in the Old Testament. And that's some, that's pretty remarkable. That's, those are pretty amazing. Remarkable, the book of Mark. So, um, 
It's all right. <laughs> Threw me off a little bit there, buddy. I work alone. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, prophecy, you know, he's, he's walking it out. And what's, what's really awesome, I really encourage you to go and look up what those prophetic words are that um, talk about the Messiah, because they're, they're really, you'll find that they'll strengthen your faith, and they add evidence and proof that Jesus was the Messiah. It's really good stuff. But you find that actually happening here in the scriptures. Um, in fact, when he's in the temple, and he's, and he's talking about the, you're making my father's place a, a den of, of robbers. Um, it was actually prophesied back in Jeremiah. Um, my house shall be called a house of prayer uh, for all nations. That's back in Isaiah. And so there's just a lot of types and symbolism happening here. Let me take you to one um, that might help with the fig tree a little bit. In Jeremiah 8.13, it says, I will take away their harvest, declares the Lord, there will be no grapes on the vine, there will be no figs on the tree, and their leaves will wither. What I have given them will be taken away from them. So what you see happening here is Jeremiah is speaking about Israel. Israel um, is about to be taken into captivity from ba into Babylon. They've turned their hearts away from the Lord. And Jeremiah, or Jesus, is is standing pretty much right where Jeremiah was, looking at Jerusalem, and he's making this quote. He's referencing a fig tree that has no fruit. Let's look at Micah 7, 1 and 2. Very similar. What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, None of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. I believe that Jesus is making, uh, uh, he's seeing this tree. I, I have no doubt he was hungry, but many times he would use things that are happening in the physical realm to teach something that's unseen in the spiritual realm. And so there's this foreshadow, and he goes to the fig tree, and he looks at the fig tree, and he's not finding fruit. He sees leaves. It should be bearing fruit, but it's not. So the tree is representing Israel. He's, it's like he's saying, I'm expecting to see faithful, fruitful, covenant-loving uh, people, but there's none to be found. The leaves indicate that it should be bearing fruit, but it's not. The fruit is, uh, what's the fruit? What is the fruit of God uh, supposed to be like? It's, it's supposed to be righteousness. Um, think of the religious leaders. Their hearts had become hard, hardened. They had made it look so that the, the Sabbath was to be worshiped versus when Jesus came, he said, the Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. So things had gotten backwards, and Jesus is showing up on the scene, which is remarkable. Here's that word again. 
Jesus showing up on the scene um, to make all things new. Are you guys following me so far? All right. Let's talk about the temple for a second. We're going to, let me reread uh, Mark eleven fifteen again. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow people or anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. You know, this, uh, this is something I learned during my study. Um, there's another reference in John 2, and you can put that up next. Um, I always thought they were referencing the same incident, but this is the second time Jesus has turned, uh, has pushed out the money changers. Um, in John chapter 2, this is like at the very beginning of his ministry, right after he had changed, uh, changed water into wine. It says that when... It was almost time for the Jewish Passover. Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts, and he found people selling cattle, sheep, doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of the temp- drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins and the money changers and overturned the tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. And I think that's a really good clue. Gives us a really a reflection as to what Jesus is doing there. Zeal. He has zeal for God's holiness. He has zeal for how his father and how, how the kingdom is being represented Money changers. Do we know much about money changers? I didn't know much. Um, there was a, a temple tax that everyone was supposed to pay. It was about two days' wages uh, for someone who worked in a vineyard. Um, it was to go and help with the upkeep of the temple. But some people, foreigners, would show up uh, with pagan emperor images on their coins, and this, these coins weren't to be used in the temple. So people would be there to exchange the money, give them the proper coins. And in order to do that service, they would charge money for that. But they would set their own margins for that. And people were taking advantage of the poor and of foreigners. There were also others who sold sacrificial animals. And so you could see how the person inspecting the animals might say, this one's too blemished. Maybe it wasn't, but he's saying, it's too blemished, you need to go buy another one or get another one. And the only place to get one was there on the temple grounds where the animals were being sold. So there was a lot of extortion happening. This is what primarily was upsetting Jesus. Um, It was strictly forbidden against Mosaic law to actually take advantage of the poor and the foreigner. Think about what the temple represented. It was, it was the presence of God. It was the place to go 
and have relationship with him. Uh, a place to go and be made right from all of the sins for you and your family, for a sacrifice to be made. There's a place to pray and to worship, a, pro- a place to celebrate. And, and look what it had become through some of these examples I've given, the hard hearts of, the, of the, some of the religious leaders and, and these other things happening. It was supposed to be a place of, that's sacred and that's reverenced. Some may even say that the, the, the temple was to resemble Eden, in a sense. It was supposed to be a place where we had communion with God. But it wasn't anymore. So, in a prophetic and zealous act, Jesus disrupted all of this that was happening. I could see uh, Peter sliding up beside him after he turned over some tables and saying, you angry, bro? (laughs) And I could see Jesus saying, yeah, yes, I am. I'm angry. Now, he's not sinning in his anger. It's like a holy, it's like a righteous indignation. He's seeing injustice. He's seeing misrepresentation. And so in an aggressive mode, he confronts this in a nonviolent way. Jesus was on mission. Praise God. (laughs) I'm thankful. Um, Have you ever been misunderstood? Have you ever had like maybe a message or something going around about you that wasn't true? It's kind of hard to sit back and let that happen and just say nothing. Especially with something as important as the kingdom of God. Jesus was like, this is my father's house. I'm going to do something about it. Kind of makes me think of, you know, those hell and damnation preachers. (laughs) You better turn, you're going to burn. You better flip or you're going to fry. You better repent or you're going to roast. Confess, combust. I mean, we could sit here all day. Here's one... uh, Billboard my wife and I came across, actually, when we were driving through Alabama a couple weeks ago. (laughs) This is a real thing. Go to church or the devil's going to get you. It's kind of funny, but at the same time, I think that's why the world looks at us sideways sometimes. You know, it's like, I mean, for really, is, is this God's heart? Is, is God a, a fear-driving kind of, did, did Jesus bring that message? Now, he did talk about hell. It's in the Bible, so I believe it. It's a real place, but think about it this way. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send him to condemn it, but to save the world through him. 2 Peter 3.9. Throw that up for him. <laughs> the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but he is what? He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's the heartbeat of God. That's why Jesus came. There was a lot happening in this scripture, or at this point in the story. Jesus, and I touched on already, Jesus shows up, but he's, he's about to do something big, something 
colossal, something that's going to affect humanity and make a mark in history really for all eternity. Because for thousands of years up to this point, Jesus had, or God had laid down his law. He had chosen his people. He said, I'll be your God. You be my people. Here's what you're supposed to look like. Here's what I'm like. And, and so here's the laws to follow. But that's, it became a broken system because it was ran by men. <laughs> there were some problems there, obviously. That's where they had come to. But then Jesus shows up and he says, it's time for a new covenant. That's, have you noticed? The New Testament starts with Jesus. He came to do something new. He said, in fact, he talked about new wine. And new wine can't go into old wineskins. It has to come into a new wineskin. Or the old one, if you try to pour in an old one, it'll burst. So he had to do something new. Jesus came to, to make an overhaul of the entire system. No more need for a temple. He said, I come and I, I've come to fulfill the law, not do away with it. He said, or he showed up and he, he paid for our sins. Our relationship with God can now be within of us. Let's go ahead and look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? Who you have received from God, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Where's the temple now? It's in our hearts. Praise God. That is awesome. Think of the change. Think of how, how incredible this is now. We, the people don't show up to a physical building in Jerusalem and say, here's God's presence, but, but now we're the building. God's presence is in us. Now you can see how the fig tree plays a part. Now we bear fruit, right? Now we can look, not just look like we belong to God, but we can bear fruit of righteousness that reflects who God is. It's, it's like Jesus showed up and he said, I'm going to fulfill it myself, and it's going to happen. It's going to work from here throughout all eternity. This is how it's going to be. I will put my spirit inside of you. You will be my temple. And I'm going to fill your cup and I'm going to overflow and I'm going to do great things through you and in your life. His intimacy, his power, all of that is inside of us. Not only did Jesus flip tables and drive out things that misrepresented the heart of God. But I like to think of it this way. Jesus was making room. He was moving things. I'm not going to flip it, I swear. <laughs> but he was creating space. And he's saying, these things don't belong. I'm flipping the tables out. I want you to come. I'm making an access for you to the presence of God. You know when he was crucified on the cross that the temple veil was actually torn? This is into the Holy of Holies. Never before had anybody been into the Holy of Holies unless they were chosen by God to, in serving the Lord to, to go there. But for the first time ever, common man, all of us, could see 
and could access it. It was, it was again, a symbol. This is why Jesus came. And this is what's exciting about what's happening here, I think. It's an opportunity for us to connect with the Lord. He's driving the mess out. Um, our God loves us. And I love the fact that he was aggressive. He fought for us to have that. As the band, you can go ahead and come up because I'm closing. I want us to uh, consider for a second what might the table look like for you? Because we all have them. What table is, it, is between, possibly between you and the, and the Lord? I know for me, I can become easily angered and that can become a problem because that's not, that doesn't produce righteous fruit. The Bible tells me that uh, righteous fruit looks like patience. It looks like kindness. I know a lot of times I can become impatient. I can covet other people's things. I can uh, be impressed with other people's lives and the way that they're living their life and not be thankful enough for my own. What's God saying to you about the table in front of you? I think... um, what I'd like to do today, and we don't normally do this here at Westside, um, is that this is an altar, and, and an altar is a safe place. It's a great place to be. It's an opportunity to seize a moment and come and spend a little time with the Lord. I want to invite you to come up as God's speaking to you. I know it's Family Sunday. You can continue to, to stay if you need to, stay back at your chairs. But in the spirit of, of that Jesus had, seize the moment. Come up and spend some time with him up here. Raise your hands as we sing a song of worship. Maybe God's speaking to you that there's times when you just are too greedy and, um, and just not satisfied with, with what he's blessed you with. Maybe he's pointing out to you that there's secret sins that you're holding, keeping away from others. And, but you know what? It's just, it's tearing you apart and it's, it's, coming in between you and relationships that that God has for you and is in your life. You know, we went through a, a tough season with COVID and it was, was easy to become lethargic and uh, lazy and just kind of, again, some of this is just not, isn't stuff that we did on purpose. It's just the table that was set for us. And you might be kind of stuck, feeling stuck in your spirit, not on mission, not on purpose. God has mission and purpose for you. He has abundant life for you. Maybe you're walking around in grief and depression. Again, something that just kind of, it's on you. Take an opportunity let Jesus help you turn that table over. Can we do that?